Feeling better? Looking better? Making life better? It's Life Tips. Life, life, life. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Life Tips. Life tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the Life Tips Show, everyone. Byron White here with Joshua Becker. Joshua, welcome. Hey, good afternoon. So we'll need to simplify this discussion on simplification. <laughs> um, focusing on your book, wonderful book, Simplify Seven Guiding Principles to Help Anyone Declutter Their Home and Life. Tell us a little bit about why you wrote the book. Yeah, I wrote the book um, after a short conversation with my neighbor. Is at least the the um, began this process in my life of, of realizing that I own too much stuff. I was cleaning out my garage on a Saturday morning while my five year old son was playing alone in the backyard. Um, took a couple hours to do this on a Saturday morning and just began complaining to my neighbor uh, about how much time I'd spent taking care of this project. And she, she responded with this um, short statement. She said, yeah, you know, that's why my daughter's a minimalist. She keeps telling me I don't need to own all this stuff. And I, I just remember looking at this pile of things, dirty, dusty stuff piled up in my driveway. I'd spent all morning cleaning, knowing full well that my possessions weren't making me happy. But this next realization that not only were they not making me happy, but as I noticed my son alone in the backyard, they were actually taking me away. Uh, my possessions were actually distracting me from the very things that do bring happiness and joy and purpose and fulfillment into my life. So this began our, our personal journey um, several years ago now, and the book was an um, a offshoot of what was taking place in my own life. Why do people hang on to stuff? And stuff is perhaps a good word <laughs> to use here. Yeah, I think there's a lot of reasons. Uh, I would start just beginning just with the consumer-driven society that, that we live in, um, that we are encouraged at, at every turn to, to buy more and, and more stuff. And uh, statistics say we see 5,000 advertisements every single day, and, and they all tell us the same message, that, that we'll be happier if we get whatever they're selling, whatever car or clothing item or insurance, whatever it is, that we'll, we're not happy until we get whatever it is that they're selling. And so I think that starts the process of accumulation, um, and, and soon we're, we're just buying more and more stuff, thinking that it's going to bring satisfaction, thinking that it's going to bring happiness into our life, but it never does. And rather than thinking, hey, maybe I own too much and my life would be better with less, we just perpetuate this lie thinking, well, maybe there's just one other thing I need. Maybe if I buy one thing else, then I'll be happy. And uh, we get caught in this endless cycle, unfortunately. Hmm. Do you find that households are a lot like mine where one of us is really into clutter and stuff and hanging on to everything and another person is trying to constantly battle with that person to, to, to shed things? Is that a common element in, in a lot of households? Yeah, I think so. Uh, certainly to to some extent, it, it always is. Uh, if, it, if the household has more than one person in it, then there's always going to be different of opinion on on some things. You you find a range sometimes where 
Um, the, the woman wants to get rid of the stuff and the guy wants to hold on to it or vice versa. Or in my situation, when I came inside after cleaning the garage and had this um, conversation with my wife where I said, Hey, you'll never guess what our neighbor said. We don't have to own all this stuff. And she, hmm. uh, she was in, but if I want to get rid of 80% of our stuff, she wanted to get rid of 60% of our stuff. So even though we agreed still the exact implementation of that was was going to require compromise and, and patience and understanding how did you besides the conversation you had um how did you really decide together that less is in fact more quality of life you know, I would say that we were intrigued by the idea at the beginning. Um, she had spent all morning cleaning. I had spent all morning cleaning. And so we, there was a, a, a very instantaneous understanding that we probably did own too much stuff. As we began removing things, and, and I began writing about it just as a, a personal journal on, on, our, on our website, um, we began realizing very early on that there were some incredible life-giving benefits of owning less stuff, and they became very apparent to us. Uh, less, less cleaning, less debt, we had more time, we had more energy, we had more freedom, we had less stress, we had a better example for our kids, better for the environment. Like It became very, um, we noticed them quite early on in the process, and that's what motivated us to continue going down this road and to continue removing more and more and more things until we found a a good level that I think we were both comfortable with. Did you experience any sadness throughout the journey of, of decluttering your life? I don't know if sadness is the right word. I do think that the process became much more... Um, much more difficult than, than I imagined, not just in terms of what am I going to get rid of and, and what am I going to keep, although there were plenty of those questions to ask and they continue to come up um, each, and, each and every week, but um, it became very, um, inter- the, <clears throat> the journey inward became much more intense than I ever thought. And, and I explained it this way, taking the first van load of things to Goodwill or the second van load of things to Goodwill felt pretty good, but by about the third or fourth van load of things that we took to goodwill, you know, three or four van loads of things that, that I didn't need. And it became difficult in terms of why, like, why did I own four van loads of things that I didn't need to have? What, what lie was I believing was, was advertising really having more of an effect on me than I thought? Was I looking for happiness in possessions? Was I less content than I ever thought I was? Who was I trying to impress? Was I just trying to keep up with the neighbor? Was I trying to find my self-confidence in the things that I owned? <clears throat> All these questions began surfacing in our, in our hearts. And yeah, it became, it became difficult. I don't know if there was sadness in parting with anything, but maybe sadness in just discovering how much of my life had been wasted chasing and holding on to the wrong things. Tell me about the process itself. You mentioned three trips to Goodwill. Did you sort of get rid of the not-so-good stuff in trip number one and then dwindle it down to you know being debatable? Like, wow, this is really good stuff I'm giving away in this third trip to Goodwill. You know, am I sure I'm going to do that? I mean, was there any uh, donator uh, you know, uh, remorse on that third trip or was it more exciting in, in the, the more trips you took to Goodwill? 
<clears throat> I, I think the excitement was growing. Certainly, there there reaches a point where where it becomes a little bit um, trickier. Our our process was, you know, we didn't we didn't read any books and we didn't study the the best way to do this. Literally, I I started in my car. I had um, pulled my car out of the out of the garage to to clean it that morning, and I pulled my car in and I'm looking around and there's cds i don't listen to and there's extra sunglasses and there's happy meal toys and ketchup packets and maps and receipts and pens and like why is all this in my car and that's where we started from from there we went to our our living room you know i mean not a very cluttered place but there's dvds left out that we don't watch there's some decorations that didn't mean anything to us there's a, a stack of magazines sitting next to one of the chairs and so so we started very easy and and took a kind of a sweep through the entire house i I always say we 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 grabbed the low-hanging fruit and we got rid of that stuff and then and then we revisited our our living room we revisited our closets and said okay now what else in here can can we get rid of can we part with and i think we we reached this third level of okay let's experiment with with less stuff. Um, one is called <clears throat> that we do is called project 333 where, uh, we were, I was pretty content with my level of clothing until I noticed this, um, school of people who were, they were committed to wearing 33 articles of clothing for three months, just as a, a test and experiment. And that's it total. And I said, I'm in, let, let me give it a shot. And I had to get rid of maybe half of my clothing or less than half but I found that I actually liked owning 33, that I didn't need to own as much as I had. And so a number of these experiments with televisions and cars and clothing and, and uh, the goal of just finding this, this space of enough and, and learning to live there. Fantastic. NPR did a fantastic piece on minimalistic living related to house sales um, in, uh, in, I believe it was in Silicon Valley or somewhere in California. Uh, people were having difficulty selling houses. Um, there's a, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, houses were on the market for too long, and some minimalistic, really incredible interior designers went in and stripped out lots of elements to the house and just made the house feel more open. And they actually sold the house furnished, interestingly enough. And it's been absolutely amazing what the response is. Did you check any of that wave, and can you at least understand that philosophy? of, of uh, a presentation and wanting to live a lifestyle of minimal minimalism. I'm sure you can, but can you talk about that a little bit and how your house has changed and how you may actually like it more and use it more and, uh, and how it might've changed your lifestyle particularly. Yeah, sure. Let me, let me make a comment and I'm happy to talk more about the house and specifics if, if you want to, but I'm, this will go back to your um, original case study, which is interesting. I, I hadn't seen that study or, or heard, heard that on NPR. I'm definitely going to look it up though. Uh, but it was interesting. People come up to me and they say, Hey, so do people disagree with you? Like, like do people argue with you a lot that, that you, that you're telling them that their life will be better with better with less. And I always say maybe on one hand, I can count the number of people that have come up to me and said, no, no, you're wrong. I'll be happier if I own more things. Like uh-huh. people just don't, people don't respond that way. Instead, our our country, uh, uh, L.A. Times is a story that the average home there's three hundred thousand items in in a in an average home, and I think wow. most people feel that need, and so you have this conversation, and and my response was, oh, you're right, I do own 
too much stuff. I, I spend way too much time cleaning and organizing and managing and maintaining and shopping. If, if I can get rid of that, obviously I, I, I desire that. And so I think the, the story of the, the house isn't, doesn't surprise me because I think people walk into that. It's like walking into a hotel room, just, oh, this feels so good to not have clutter everywhere. And people desire that to be true. And so I, I think they probably walk into those homes and they're like, yes, this is what I want my life to look like. And then we just slowly start accumulating more and more stuff. And, and, and those beautiful houses become cluttered down the road eventually, probably. You mentioned an, an amazing and an alarming at the same time stat, 300,000 items in the average household. Wow, 300,000? Is that right? And, and what, do, what do we have too much of? What comprises that 300,000 in your mind that we just plain have too much of? Yeah, there's certainly some specifics, you know, uh, um, or uniqueness to that in terms of, you know, someone who loves bike riding, you know, he's going to have a lot of extra bikes. I, I have a, a friend who plays tennis and he owns like eight tennis rackets. <laughs> I'm like, why do you own eight tennis rackets? You know, but generally speaking, right. Our, we own, we own more clothes than we need. Uh, our, our kitchen cabinets and kitchen drawers are, are overflowing. Uh, our garages, I forget what the statistics are of how many, uh, two car garages only fit one car anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone with anyone with kids knows the story of having too many toys and uh, all the stuff that they they bring home from school. And so I think um, it, I think is that we have extra towels and pillows and sheets and candles and um, you name it. We uh, we just tend to collect more and more and, and more stuff as opposed to getting rid of what we don't need. What's the biggest change you've noticed about your life since you have gotten rid of unneeded things? Yeah, I mentioned some of those benefits, and they're um, they're very legitimate about more time and and energy and money. We we just don't realize how how much of our our life is being robbed by the things that we own until we choose to get rid of them. But I would say probably the greatest benefit is an increased intentionality in life, and it started with possessions. It started with getting rid of things that I didn't need and, and challenging uh, what thinking caused me to buy stuff that I didn't need and, and what, what thinking still um, calls me to buy things that I don't need. And as you, as you challenge those things and as you discover again what you want your life to really be about, um, you begin aligning not just your possessions along those lines, but the the schedule that you keep, the the friends that you put around you, um, the food that you eat, how you take care of your body, and it just becomes very probably a lot of stuff that you talk about on your on your website and, and on your show, just about being very intentional about what what comes into my life, um, what stays in my life, what habits I hold on to, and, and what habits I discard. Let's take a break, everyone, back in just a few minutes with Joshua on a few tips for really how to start living a clutter-free life. Back in just a minute. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. 
Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know they're SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience. Our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors, but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line. PPC Professionals, personal, professional, PPC services. PPCProfessionals.com. ShipStation helps online retailers ship orders faster. It's so easy to set up and use. ShipStation gives you tools to automatically import, manage, and ship your orders in the most cost-efficient way. Save money with the best USPS rates possible, as well as a free USPS account. ShipStation integrates with all the most popular e-commerce platforms and shipping carriers. Get shipping done no matter where you sell or how you ship. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial. Go to ShipStation.com slash WebmasterRadio now. Shipping Nirvana. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point click, and it's live in real time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point click, and it's live in real time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back, Joshua. So great to have you on the show today. Thanks much. My pleasure. So some tips and advice. Do we just go at it and, and get out there and start loading up the dumpster pulled in front of your house? <laughs> or do we, need, do we need a slightly different approach? Perhaps some, some tips for us. Yes, just start. <laughs> just, <laughs> you're right. You are right. Now, um, <clears throat> so a, a few precautions, perhaps, maybe I'll start with. But I, I do think it's as easy as pick pick a room. I, I tell someone to, to pick a, a lived in room, you know, pick a living room or, or pick a kitchen, your, your bedroom, you'll pick a room where you can declutter it and you can feel the, um, feel the benefit of it and just feel how almost like how energy is free to free to flow through your home again. Um, so I, I would start there. Uh, a lot of people, when we have these conversations, they jump to the hardest thing that they would ever have to get rid of. Uh, this sounds great, but I could never get rid of my books. I, I could never get rid of my my sentimental items. I, I could never get rid of um, my my hobby stuff. And and I would say don't don't start at the hardest thing. I, I mean, start with the stuff that you know you can get rid of. And um, a, a next question that people always ask is, well, do I donate it or or do I sell it or do I throw it away? And yeah, I think there's some stuff that, that just has to get thrown away. But uh, I, I, my response is always, 
if you if you need the money, then you you can sell the stuff. But most of us don't need the extra money. Uh, and, and so if you if you can live without the extra money, then I, I just say donating things is the the best thing you can do. It's easiest. It adds less stress. It adds less hassle. I think there's a, an extra joy, uh, an extra fulfillment that we get when we when we donate. And you know, I, I mentioned Goodwill earlier, and and we did take some things to Goodwill, but we found that we actually found more joy in donating to some local charities. Um, some you know, not the big corporate ones, but the ones, Hey, we, we know what they're doing and, and we believe what they're doing. And, um, so we, we are donating to some refugee resettlement stuff. We're donating to some, um, young single mothers in the city and, and that's where our donations went to. And we just found a, a special joy in that. Wonderful. How do you motivate your, your, your family and your team members, uh, uh, to, and your loved ones to, 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 to take action and to, to declutter. I think that the, you know, the, the ultimate and the, the most important motivation is just in the example that, that you set um, and the, the life that you choose to live. Um, certainly if it's uh, where the other person's way on the other side of the spectrum, I think there's a point where you, you can't force them to do what you want them to do. Um, it's a for, it's a, but there's a lot that you can control on your own. Uh, it's always easy to see everyone else's clutter than it is to see our own. Um, so learning to to start with our own, learning the the lessons that, that we learn there helps us know how to how to talk to other members of our family. Certainly, if there's kids, then there's a, a little more uh, control. Isn't necessarily the right word, but there's there's more boundaries that we can set for kids. Uh, we can we can set, hey, this is coming into my home, and this is not coming into my home, and this is why we're doing it, and and why we're not doing it. Uh, but I w- I would do that if. If your spouse or partner is on the other end of the spectrum, then I would I would look for common ground. Hey, can we all agree that there's too much stuff in this closet? Is it okay if I get rid of some of the things in this closet? Is is it okay if we get rid of some of the stuff in these drawers that no longer shut? Uh, I, I would look for those common areas and then um, take, practice a lot of patience and and hope and and uh, look for teachable opportunities whenever possible. What about kids? Have you seen kids, um, you know, with with policies of, hey, it's it's the holidays coming up, you're going to get some new toys, but you need to decide which of your toys that you're going to give up to to donations to other kids that don't have toys like you do. Have you seen, you know, the concept of decluttering make it make its way into managing children's assets? Definitely. I have two kids. They're 12 and 8. Um, and we've been, we've been living this way for five or six years now. Uh, my son is 12 and is on board. If he's got a soccer ball and his friends down the street and a bicycle, he's, he's pretty happy. Uh, my daughter, on the other hand, likes dolls and clothes and art. And, um, so she's, she's the, the collector a little bit more. Uh, the, the, Approach that we've taken with my daughter and the approach that I, I typically offer parents is to is to set boundaries for your kids. I, th- I think boundaries are an important lesson for kids to learn that there's not unlimited money in this world, that there's not unlimited space, that there's not unlimited energy. And so this is the space that you have to work in. So for my daughter, for example, um, we say whatever toys you can fit in your closet then you can keep. But if your toys no longer fit in the closet, if they start spilling out onto the onto the bedroom floor consistently, 
then it's time to go through and it's time to pick which ones you're going to keep and which ones you're going to get rid of. Um, so we've, we've used that with her for toys. We've used that with her for her arts and crafts projects, uh, the collections that she keeps. She has a drawer. and uh, That way I think it empowers them to, to make the decisions about what's important and what they want to hold on to, uh, but with a not strict guidelines, but with some guidelines that she knows that she has space to run down, um, but not, you know, unlimited capacity to, to collect more and more. Here's a difficult question that I would not want to have to answer if I were you. <laughs> I'll footnote it. Um, let's say that everyone in the United States did declutter and bought less. Would capitalism potentially fail? No, I don't think so. Uh, and, um, been asked that question more than once. Um, usually just by the sharp radio host. So well done. <laughs> um, you know, I, I and and it's interesting because sometimes, very rarely, but a, a few times I've been attacked for being anti-capitalist, and I and I always respond, I'm I'm not anti-capitalist. I'm I'm all for it. I I just think that we can do better things with our money than than buy a lot of plastic goods and, and buy a lot of stuff to to put in our homes. And so I think that. Um, you know, my my hope, uh, my goal is that that we change the way America views money. We we change the way people shop. That, that would be my that would be my hope. That would be my dream. If that were to happen, I think you would just find the economy um, changing. I think that you would you would find new things pop up. So people are still going to have money, but maybe they're not spending it on new sweaters. Maybe they're spending it on going on certain trips, um, certain experiences that they want to do with their, uh, with their family. Um, maybe they, they want to use their money to support social causes. And so they want to support people who are doing things that they believe are good for the world. And so I, I don't think the economy stops, you know, there's probably a little hiccup. There's probably a little adjustment that needs to take place. Um, but you know, what makes capitalism work is, is the ingenuity of, of human beings to, to make money and, and create wealth. And so I think that you just find new opportunities arising, um, new, uh, new industries popping up that, you know, hopefully be focused on better things than, than buying stuff we don't need. Can minimalism be taken to an extreme that can become un unhealthy or almost addictive? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I would, I would change it and, Ultimately, what minimalism does is it allows us to pursue our passions. Uh, whatever we're most passionate about, we are more freed up to pursue it. And so what happens is people who embrace minimalism begin uh, to finding more opportunity to pursue whatever it is they, they want to pursue. So some decide to pursue travel. Now everything fits in a backpack. I can, I can move to new countries. I can travel the world with ease. Some people... Uh, their desire is is to accumulate wealth. And so now I'm not buying stuff so that I can grow my savings account. Uh, other people want to, want to get out of work as soon as possible. So I'm not buying stuff so that I can save money so I can retire as soon as possible. Uh, I think that what you find, there might be some people who say that they're passionate about minimalism and really the goal is to own as few things as possible. Uh, but that those tend to be pretty few and far between. Um, instead, it tends to be, this is what the new thing my life is going to be about. And whether that new thing ultimately leads to 
happiness and lasting fulfillment, I, I think, depends on on what they decide to pursue instead. Uh, but it certainly makes it uh, available and open to them. Is it possible to get a degree in minimalism? Is it is it something you can actually study? Oh, uh, well, certainly. I, I think there's probably degrees in you know certain aspects of minimalism, minimalist art, and minimalist design, and and those types of things. There's probably legitimate um, college degrees that you can get in uh, those things. But I, uh, as far as like the lifestyle, I, I think it's it, it's constantly changing. Um, it's constantly ebbing and flowing as our, our passions change and our needs change as our, as our kids grow older. What do they need now? What can we get rid of? Um, I, I changed jobs a year and a half ago. So what does that mean? You know, what can I get rid of that I don't need anymore? What do I need in order to fulfill whatever my new purpose is? So I think that it's, it's constant um, flowing in and out between what is enough, what is too much, what is too little, uh, as opposed to, you know, we ever reach that point where we fully arrived at it. Your blog is fantastic, by the way, becomingminimalist.com. Um, please check it out, everyone, if you're listening in. Tell us about the blog and how much time and energy you need to put into it. First of all, unbelievable traffic. You have, what, over a million people that are reading it. I'm looking at some of the comments on your blogs. Hundreds of people are commenting. It's just incredible. Tell us about the blog and how you keep that going and, and keep thinking of fresh new insights into this topic. Yeah, I've been writing on it for six years. Every every time I write something, I'm pretty sure that's the last thing I'm going to think of. I can think of to write about. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, you know, it's um, it's interesting, and and you know, you know how it is with with what you guys are doing. It's um, there's there's always new edges. There's always new fringes to explore. There's always new things that I'm learning, um, that I'm, that I'm trying to sort out that, that I can write about on the blog and that, that those help, um, formulate those thinkings. What, probably one of the, the best benefits of writing, uh, not just for the sake of the readers, but for the writer, the, like the greatest benefit that I find in writing is that it just forces me to look at life. You know, it forces me to be intentional about it. And you know, what is happening here? Why am I responding in this way? Um, what, what are some solutions to some of these problems? And it forces us to think them through. And oftentimes I sit down to write and then I'm, I'm surprised at, at what, you know, where I end on, on any given problem or, or any given topic. Um, it takes time, uh, man, writing is a, a discipline, uh, but it's, uh, so beneficial to just the person who sits down to do it. I, I, I recommend it for anyone and everyone. And, you know whether they make a living from it or not. I'm I'm not sure, but the benefits are there regardless. Do you find you try to even make your your words that, that you craft minimalistic <laughs> in a sense? I've been reading some of your writing style. It seems very very punchy, very to the point, very concise. You, has minimalism taken over your your life? Perhaps is the question. Uh, I, I'm not sure. Maybe a little bit to an extent, um, but I, probably early on, I was I was writing pretty similar. It just tends to be my writing style. Uh, it tends sure. to be what I what I learned. I had a conversation with a friend early on that I've I've never forgotten. Who had written an article, sent it to an editor, and the editor wrote back and he said, "Cut this in half." So he he cut the word count in half and he sent it back to the editor, and the editor wrote back, "Now cut it in half again." And we'll have a good article. And so I, I've always approached that a little bit from the back of my mind, um, cutting out words that, that aren't needed, um, getting to the point while still having enough there to, to um, make a point and, and prove a point if I need to. 
Um, but you know, whether I've, I've said, Hey, I'm a minimalist, so I can't use too many words. I'm, I'm not sure that thoughts ever specifically, um, jumped in my, jumped in my pen. Two final questions for you. And then I'll, uh, you ask them at the both same, at the same time, actually, it's, it's been great having you and we'll look forward to having you on again. If we can help you with your new book, we'll look forward to it until next week, everybody. I hope your life's a little smarter, better, faster, and wiser. And more minimalistic in every way that it can be. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.webmasterradio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.